Welcome to Grave Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Donna. And we're two friends who share a fascination and intrigue of grave tales. Each episode is our unique look into grave history by exploring, researching, and giving you our take on these mysteries, tragedies, murders, and so much more. This is Grave Podcast. Well, here we are for... Here we are. Here we are. We are at day eight of our grave Christmas murder tales. No, no, we're on day nine. Oh, nine. I'm sorry. Day nine. Day nine. Truth. Please don't. Please don't take me back to day eight. Day eight was <laughs> oh, awful. Eight was oh my god. One, yeah. Oh my god, I still hate that dude. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm always gonna hate him, but no, don't take me back to eight, please. Oh god, no. Day nine. No, today is day nine, and I'm sure that this dude's probably gonna suck just as bad as day eight did. So, well, I mean, they all have their own little things. This one is Ugh. about. Bruce Jeffrey Pardo, the the killer mm. Santa. Oh wow, that'll keep us up at night. Yeah, the killer Santa. I I'm, I'm officially grateful I don't have a fireplace. Well, you know, Christmas parties. It's a time for joy and laughs and family and I guess sometimes grave podcasts. But it's also a time to be shared with the ones that you love. But sometimes the ones who love us have a little bit of a different plan. And that was the case that was the case of Bruce Jeffrey Pardo, the killer Santa. Okay. Well, without further ado, I guess just lay it on me. I know I'm not gonna like any of this. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a bit of background. Um on Bruce Pardo. Bruce grew up in the San Fernando Valley in LA, California. He graduated from John H. Polytechnic High School and went on to study computer science at California State Northridge. Okay. He was a bright man. He graduated and secured himself a job as a software engineer for a place called Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Oh, okay. So Bruce wasn't the model employee. He spent his time hacking the computer systems to access private personnel information, including, but not limited to, compensation, tax information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the information you're not supposed to know about the people you work with. Exactly. He also had very poor attendance. Despite all of this, by 1988, at the age of 24, he found himself engaged to Delia, a fellow employee. Oh, that poor girl. So at this point, Bruce, yeah, Bruce still lived at home with his mom and wasn't in the best financial shape. So Delia agreed to pay for a wedding reception at the country club, as well as a honeymoon in Tahiti. Wow. Okay. Well, she's obviously killing it and he's obviously not. Well, they're working at the same place, so... So everything was set up and both Delia and Bruce's mothers, they were so excited. The big day arrived on June 17th, 1989. Delia waited at the church in nervous anticipation, but Bruce never showed up. 
She later discovered that he had withdrawn $3,000 from their joint bank account and took a trip of his own to Palm Springs, Florida. Wow, what an asshole. So Delia called off the engagement and things went back to how they used to be. It wasn't until 2001 that Bruce found himself in another difficult situation. He was living with his girlfriend, Eleanor, and their 13-month-old son, Matthew, in Woodland Hills, California. It was the most stable relationship he had ever had. Things were going really, really well. That is, until the day Eleanor went out, leaving Bruce home alone with the baby. Alone, Alone with the baby. I don't like where this is going. I don't like where this is going. Well, he turned on the television and he got right sucked right into right into the program. I mean, he wasn't paying any attention to Matthew and the little boy fell into the backyard pool. I know. So Eleanor returned home. She found Bruce holding their son nearly hysterical. Matthew was rushed to the hospital And after just one week of intensive medical attention, the doctors informed them that their son would never fully recover. In fact, Matthew had sustained brain damage and was now a paraplegic. Oh, that poor baby. So as Bruce did as what he does whenever anything got hard or complicated or tough, he left. I was going to say he hightailed it right on out, didn't he? Never again to see his son, despite his mother's continued interest in and support of the child. He never again saw the child. Right. And well, and and let's just talk about. Um, sorry, you just hightailed it out. Your kid, your kid has this injury now, and you're just going to leave your your child's mother to just handle it. To just handle everything, like you're just you're just going to huh, like deuces. I got to go. Like, what is that? Like, you're a real stand-up guy. Like, you're a real, real nice dude. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yes, it was your fault. Yes, it was your fault. You were in charge, and you didn't weren't paying attention. You were too into something else. And the child, as in why they're called accidents, had an accident. <laughs> okay, so in 2004, a co-worker of Bruce's introduced him to his sister-in-law, Sylvia. Sylvia was a 40-year-old mother of three, and they hit it off immediately. So on January 29, 2006, the couple couple got married. Bruce purchased a three-bedroom, $452,000 home in Montrose. The happy family attended church together all the time, and Bruce actually even volunteered as an usher. But things aren't always as they seem. You're attending church, and yet you walked away from your child with brain damage. Oh, but yeah, make sure you attend church, because that's what we would want. Well, things definitely aren't always as they seem, for sure. The relationship, it was suffering under financial stress, and then Bruce's mother, Nancy, decided she had to say something. She was quite fond of Sylvia, and she knew her son had issues. She told her about her son's past relationship, including the one with Eleanor and their son, Matthew. So this doesn't, this doesn't sit well. Sylvia was shocked by this revelation. 
revelation. Um, she didn't know anything at all about Matthew that passed, knew nothing about it and further angered her by Bruce being so dishonest and his lack of responsibility. And then it was discovered that although Bruce, Bruce hadn't seen his son since that day in the hospital, he was still continuing to claim him on his taxes as a dependent. Oh, what an asshat. Like, you want nothing to do with your poor kid that's like, has all these issues and you're still going to like collect money? Wow. Yeah, right. Yeah, in April of 2008, Sylvia filed for divorce. And at that point, Bruce spiraled into depression. So in June of 2008, he purchased his first gun, a 9mm handgun. On June 18th, in divorce court, he was ordered to pay $1,785 per month in spousal support. He wrote his first check, which bounced, and then he stopped payment on the second, making no further attempts to pay. I'm not surprised. This guy sucks. I'm not a real strong believer in spousal support. I will say that. I I, I will go that far, especially if. Well, I'm well. I I'm not either. I'm I'm just saying in general, like when you're told by the court you have to do something, like you should probably, you know, follow through. Like I'm not surprised. Oh no, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's if it's court ordered, you have to do it. But I'm just, you know, like. I'm not, I'm not surprised that like the check bounced and they stopped payment on the second one. Like he's, this dude sucks. Like I'm not surprised. Yeah. What, what, whether, what, whatever it might be that you're being ordered by the court to pay, like just, I'm not surprised. He sucks. Okay. So on July 21st, he was fired from his job for billing fraudulent hours. He then went and applied for unemployment, but it was denied because workers who are fired are deemed ineligible unless proven otherwise. So on August 8th, Bruce purchased another 9mm handgun, followed by another purchase on September 8th. He then contacted one of his neighbors, who was called Jerry, who happened to be the proprietor of Jerry's costumes. He requested a costume size Santa suit with a little extra room for comfort, as he was 6'4 and 270 pounds, making a standard suit, um, it would be too small for him. So he, he told her it was for a children's party and he paid a $200 deposit with a promise to pick up and pay the rest in November. Who would? Mm-mm. No. No. So then on October 11th, he purchased his fourth handgun. He received a call from an old high school friend, Steve Irwin, who asked him over to his home in Iowa to celebrate his 45th birthday. Bruce accepted, and while he was there, confided in Steve. He was embarrassed that his personal life was open and on display in court where everyone could see his finances and now knew of his firing. Even more so, he was upset that him and his mother hardly spoke, and during the divorce proceedings, she chose to sit with Sylvia's family, not providing support to her own son. Bitch, she's been she's been supporting you for a long time. I was just gonna say, like, hey, um, if you're that upset, why don't we um shoot for the stars and try to be a better person? Yeah, right. Like, keep a job, 
not walk out on your disabled child. Uh, I, the, yeah, the, the list right. goes on. The list goes on. Right. Exactly. Paraplegic. You know, disabled. Just you're embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. You should be very embarrassed. So. November came and Bruce returned to Jerry's costumes and paid the outstanding fee for the costume. He even left her a $20 tip. On the 13th, he purchased yet another handgun. Now totaling five. I was going to say we're at five or six. Okay, we're at five. He had also acquired a DeWalt compressor, a 50-foot hose, and a tank of high-octane fuel. Yeah, this this is not going in, in a good direction. Just one week before Christmas, on December 18th, 2008, Bruce's divorce from Sylvia was final. He agreed to let her keep her diamond engagement ring and agreed to pay her $10,000. The next day, he went to a Montrose travel agency where he booked a ticket to Iowa where he would visit his friend Steve. He paid $600 for a round-trip flight that would depart 12.20 a.m., on Christmas Day, and return two weeks later. He rented rented a Dodge Caliber from Budget, then rented a silver RAV4 from Rent-A-Wreck. He loaded up the RAV4 with maps of the southwestern United States, as well as water, food, clothes, a tank of gas, a laptop, and a desktop computer. Quite the list of things. Yep, yep. Early evening on Christmas Eve, he stopped to chat with a neighbor, saying that he was headed out to a Christmas party. He had been he had been signed up to serve as an usher for midnight mass at the church he attended, but didn't show up. Instead, at approximately eleven thirty p.m., dressed in his Santa suit, Bruce knocked on the door of his former in-laws' house, where he knew that his ex-wife would be. Oh, 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 my. So the door was answered by eight-year-old Letitia, Sylvia's niece. Excited to see Santa Claus, she rushed toward, toward him. Bruce didn't hesitate. He fired, hitting her in the face. He went on to shoot indiscriminately at the frightened partygoers. When he felt he was done shooting, he wrapped the gift. He unwrapped the gift he had brought with him. It was a homemade flamethrower. He began to spray racing fuel around the home, intent on lighting it with a flare. Unfortunately for Bruce, the flames from two separate fireplaces triggered an explosion. Bruce fled the house, dropping a pair of fake glasses and his Santa hat in the yard. He jumped into the Dodge Caliber rental car and drove 30 miles to Silmar parking it a block away from his brother's home. He carefully peeled his shredded Santa suit off of his body as it had melted to his skin from the explosion causing third-degree burns. I was just going to say it probably was melted onto his... Ow. Mm-hmm. He used his suit to set up a booby trap. If the suit was moved, a tripwire would ignite a flash fire, exploding 200 rounds of ammunition. Bruce's brother returned home around 3.10 a.m. and found him sprawled on the living room couch with two handguns by his side. He was dead, 
having shot himself in the mouth. Back at the house, the fire soared 40 to 50 feet and took 80 firefighters an hour and a half to extinguish. Nine people were dead and three others wounded. Due to the intensity of the fires, victim could only be identified with dental and medical records. And they were... Sylvia Ortega Pardo, Bruce's ex-wife, who died from a gunshot wound. Alicia Sotomayor Ortega, Sylvia's mother, who died from a gunshot wound to the abdomen. Joseph S. Ortega, Sylvia's father, died from multiple gunshot wounds. Charles Ortega, Sylvia's brother, died from a combination of smoke inhalation and gunshot wounds. Sherry Lynn Ortega, Charles' wife, died from a combination of smoke inhalation and gunshot wounds. James Ortega, Sylvia's brother, died from a combination of smoke inhalation and gunshot wounds, as did Teresa Ortega, James's wife, and Alicia Ortega Ortiz, Sylvia's sister. Michael Andre Ortiz, Alicia's son, died in the fire. Sylvia's eight-year-old niece, who had been shot in the face, suffered severe but not life-threatening injuries. And a 16-year-old girl was shot and wounded in the back. A 20-year-old woman suffered a broken ankle by jumping from a second-story window. And that concludes this grave tale. Wow. Can, like, can you imagine being that poor girl that was shot in the face? Like, yeah, she didn't sustain, you know, lasting injuries, but like, she was so excited it was Santa Claus at the door with a gift in hand. Yeah. Like you, you Christmas is going to suck for you. Like Christmas is going to be awful for you for the rest of your life. Santa Claus. She never, she, that, that ruined it completely for her. Yeah. What was, yeah, what was in an, what was instant initially just the awe and the fascination and just Christmas spirit turned into a lifetime of agony and fear and distrust. Like in a flick of a moment, excitement and awe and fascination went to just absolute terror. That's going to last. It's going to last a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. 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 And like, yeah, she might have physical scars, but I mean, the physical scars you can look past. It's the emotional and mental scars. You uh, You can, you can never get me, especially her entire family basically was killed in front of her by Santa Claus. In one scoop, she lost so much, like her innocence, family, joy of a hollow. Like yeah. one foul scoop, just gone, done. Yeah, he did a lot of pre-planning. He planned to be on the road, on the run, whatever. But that explosion, he wasn't expecting it, and it fucked up his world. And he just killed himself. Took the easy way out himself. Fucking coward! Fucking coward! Yeah, absolutely. I hope that I, I hope that like he in some weird way like shot himself the wrong way and it was painful and took longer. Yeah, well, I mean, the brother got home at three ten in the morning and he was sprawled dead on his couch with you know gunshot to the mouth. So chances are he took out the base of the the base of the brain when he did it. That's how most people, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing though. People don't realize what the incidences of people who actually don't die when they try to shoot themselves in the mouth and the head. And, you know, there's, you know, you got it. You, you do have to hit it right. 
You know, there are many people around that are in a vegetative state from trying to do it and, you know, not being successful. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, my. Well, that's day nine, folks. Day nine. That, that is day nine. That is Absolutely. Day nine. You've got three more days to go. And they're going to get and they're going to get worse. They're going to get worse. Well, I'm going to I'm going to. Well, it it does. It does get, you know, they they continually get, it's just, I mean, I don't know if one is worse than the other or not. It's just, I'm just continuing it. That's it. Just. No, they just, they just get more graphic. That's all. True. Yep. They do. They slowly, slowly, but surely they're, we're getting there. So stay tuned for day 10 of a grave Christmas murder podcast. I was just going to say, on that note, I will tune in with you for day 10. Yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, Lord. You're going to screw my world up. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Jingle all the way. Jingle. Jingle jangle. Absolutely. Oh, I'll see you next time, my love. Bye. Bye.